From beta cell, this is thicker than water. I'm Craig Steubing. One year, 365 days, four endocrinologist appointments, 36 Dexcom sensors, 1,500 shots of insulin. On paper, that's what a year with type 1 diabetes looks like. But it doesn't tell the whole story. There are a lot of things that happen that we don't have data for. The number of low blood sugars in the middle of the night, the hours spent on hold with insurance companies, trips to the pharmacy, every time we count the carbs in our meal right or wrong, how much we worry about the future, not to mention how much we worry about what we're doing right now. A single day with type 1 can feel like an eternity sometimes, a year of it almost too much to comprehend. But that's exactly how long my Aunt Laura has been living with type 1 after she was diagnosed at 60 years old last year. Since our last episode was six months ago, it made sense on this anniversary to check in and see what's changed and what hasn't. Uh, happy anniversary! Woo-woo! We last had a conversation like this six months ago. Time flies. <laughs> when you have diabetes? <laughs> when you have, it does fly by when you have diabetes. I'll tell you why. Because it used to be you worried about, you know, you only worried about a week, by, but, you know, a day go by, a week go by, a month go by. Now I have a day go by, a week go by, and 10 days goes by for the Dexcom. Ah. We just flipped my Dex, you know, put in a new one, and, you know, your uncle and I are like, didn't we just do this? <laughs> you So, yeah, instead of weeks and months, you measure days by Dexcoms, or measure time <laughs> by Dexcoms. Dexcom, every 10 days. Yeah. I don't know. I guess, I guess. Speaking of time, you know, in the last six months, do you feel like things have changed much? Um, okay, six months. So that was August. Well, the only major change change is that I figured out that I'm, you know, I can't tolerate gluten. So that was huge because that changed my whole diet so that I had to learn how to get enough carbs, you know, through, through other ways. But I also then had to figure out what food I could eat. I mean, you know, I couldn't just eat a piece of bread anymore for, you know, 15 carbs. I had to find a gluten-free bread that I liked that would be close to 15, you know, so I could easily manage it and have a decent meal because I didn't want to have a piece of bread with 30 carbs because that's all I'm eating at a meal. So, so I'd say the the biggest thing was that it was like a whole new diet came in in August. So pretty much six months in. Yeah. I mean, I just, I knew something wasn't right. But since I'm a dietitian, I kind of eliminated foods and then I introduced them back and I was just like, okay, it's gluten. Has that made diabetes harder? I tell people that the diabetes is easy. It's the gluten-free that's hard. <laughs> because at a restaurant, you know, you could, I can order off a menu and pretty much know, okay, this is so many carbs. But now that I have this gluten, I have to scrutinize every single thing that I order. You know, I can't have gravy. I can't have um, certain, you know, salad dressing on the side. And I usually ask, do real basic salad dressing because I don't want... You know, it can have wheat in it. I don't order French fries because they're fried in the same 
fat as the appetizers that have breadcrumbs. So that's like really limiting versus the diabetes. One more thing to worry about, right? Yeah, just one more thing. And you know what? I'm, it, it's, it's not the end of the world. I'm not miserable. I mean, I'm, I'm okay. I'm able to deal with it. But it just makes it so much harder when you want to go to um, somebody's house to eat. Or I think about if I go to, you know, a party. I mean, it's like I have to think about what is it that they're going to serve. Sometimes if you, should I take something with me in case I can't eat? You know, because I don't want to, I don't want to bring my, all my own food. And I, but I, and I also don't want to eat at home. Like I've heard of other people, they just eat at home and don't bother to eat, you know, when they go to an event. And well, part of me, an event is where you eat and eat with other people. I mean, that's the part of the fellowship and getting together. So, so I'm, I'm trying to navigate. How do I deal with that? I guess the most exciting thing that's happened is you just started your f- own diabetes Instagram account. Ant 1D underscore Laura. Why did you feel suddenly a year into diabetes? Part of it is me just wanting to help promote the podcast for you, you know, and what we did. Yeah. I'm not selling anything. I'm not giving advice. I'm not. But maybe just to talk about some of the things that I do or I see or I, you know, we've talked about some of my frustrations before about cookbooks or magazines that don't tell you the carbs and they don't tell you this. You know, labeling now, I find that it's so hard to find the gluten-free label. You know, I mean, can we put it in the same place? I mean, you know, little things like that that could make our lives so much easier. I think I look at it as more of an education tool. Using your knowledge as a registered dietitian with your experience as a type one and a gluten-free or gluten-sensitive individual. Right. You know, I'm not going to tell people, this is the way I eat and it's the only way a type one should eat because I think every type one has to decide. (laughs) You know, everybody's different. Their calorie levels are different. Their exercise is different. Their age is different. I mean, so I think that's something that, you know, if you want to do something, great, but this is what I do. (laughs) So you're not doing this just to get free samples of food? No. (laughs) Free samples of food. I don't need any more food. And your goal isn't to make some diet that you can sell people? Some no. some bro- program to, you know, reset your diet in seven days no. for $700? No. no. What's interesting is, you know, when I was first diagnosed and you did the podcast with me and then several diabetics reached out to me to be nice, you know, were nice to me and sent me things or very kind. When I had the gluten thing, my daughter reached out, both daughters reached out to people, and they gave me information about where to go buy gluten stuff, where to go do this, where to go do that. So I think that's what I mean. It's like the support thing. I'm more into the support thing of helping people and saying, oh, well, I found that, you know, somebody recommended this really great app for me for gluten-free, and you should get it because it'll help you, you know, and then, you know, things like that. So do you feel like in these last six months your feelings towards type one have changed oh i still don't like it <laughs> <laughs> okay that that was the big question I'll never yeah like it. okay i mean you know it, 
I guess, you know, it, it was really hard a year ago to think about what a year would be. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it, when you first get diagnosed, for me, it was, okay, I have to get through this day, okay? And then I have to get through this week. And then I have to get through this month. And, you know, you're, you're looking at it more in these little bits of pieces. And then I think once I hit six months, I was a little like, okay, I was getting a handle on it. We went through the whole seven stages in the last podcast. So I was, you know, I kind of knew where I was. And then I got the gluten thing. Like, it's like it took four steps forward and then three back when I got the gluten thing. But now I feel like I'm moving forward again. So I have to deal with this the rest of my life. So it's so I feel like I, I do understand it much better than I did the first day I was diagnosed and probably even better than I did six months ago. How did you celebrate your diversary? Uh, all I did, well, you know what uh, my daughter got for me because I saw Trader Joe's had, I'll give him a plug, the gluten-free cupcakes. So she brought me the cupcakes, and then um, I lit the candle, and I ate a fourth of the cupcake. <laughs> that was about all I could have with my carbs. So that's where that's how I celebrated. I, we went out to breakfast, too, because it was like an anniversary of our first date 40 years ago. So that was fun. So we went out. It was the same time I did that, that same weekend. So it was, you know, it was nice. What else do you do? I mean... <laughs> It's a weird thing because you're not sure if you're supposed to celebrate or mourn or ignore it. You know, mine kind of came and went this year without, you know, any fanfare. And I. Did you forget about it? No, I mean, I, 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 I knew it was the day. I just didn't do anything or tell anyone. I just figured, you know, it's just another day. Right. I think the first year it was just kind of like thinking back a year ago. You know, you think, oh, how am I ever going to do this? So it's partly pride. You know, I mean, I did go on that first trip to Arizona where you met us. Yeah. Where I could have bailed and I didn't. You know, and then I've done, um, you know, we've done other small trips, you know, and so I've been doing that. I still did my walking. I still babysit my, you know, take care of my grandson. So I'm still doing everything I always did. And so when you first get diagnosed, you think, oh, am I going to be able to do everything? But, you can, you know, so this was like a celebration of, hey, the only thing that's different is the way I eat and I have to take insulin. Yeah. So, you know, that that's not so bad. It is funny hearing you saying that, though, thinking back on a year ago. Yeah. When, you know, you were m- much more anxious. I would say than you are now. I don't know. I guess do you think having type one for a year has changed you in some way greater than just what you eat and, you know, how often you go out to dinner and what you carry with you. Do you feel like you've changed or grown in some way? Hmm. You know, I think I was always, a nice, kind person, but I think now I try to be kinder, if that makes sense. Like to try to see that you don't always know what somebody's going through because I don't, outwardly, you wouldn't know what I'm going through if you don't see my Dexcom or if you don't see me take a shot um, or you don't even notice the way I eat. 
you know, if I order and, you know, whatever, um, you know, I look the same. So when you, when you meet people, I think you just, I, you, I realize even now more so, you just never know what's going on with them in their life. So I just think we, you know, I just want to be kinder and more patient. I think that's good for everyone. Yeah, but I think you kind of, when you, you know, when you go through something like this, I think it's good to think about, um, you know, what what you do in this world and what you put out. Maybe that's why I did the podcast, to just put out there, to say, hey, this is okay. You know, it's a struggle, but, you know, you can do it. So maybe me being a little more open to talking about it, too, because I didn't, I wouldn't say that I would talk much about a lot of stuff. I was, we were pretty private people, but this, I just went, went out there and did it. And I, and I'll talk about it to people. If people ask me, I talk about it. So I think that's changed in me and that I'm a little more willing to share uh, some personal stories that I maybe never would have before. To see those personal stories, follow Aunt Laura on Instagram at Aunt1D underscore Laura. There's a link in the show notes too. Thicker Than Water is a production of Beta Cell. As always, a very special thanks to my Aunt Laura. This amazing cover of Lean On Me you're hearing is by Nina Raganes. I'm Craig, and this is Thicker Than Water. We all need somebody to lean.